Welcome to the Armor Men's Health Show with Dr. Mystery and Donna Lee. Hello and welcome to the Armor Men's Health Show. I'm Dr. Mystery, your host, here as always with my co-host, Donna Lee. That's right. Hello, everybody. I'm about to chow down on some food while you talk. Yum-yums. <laughs> my yum-yums and nigglings are over here. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Don't eat that too much. Mm. I'm a board-certified <laughs> urologist. This is a men's health show. It's brought to you by NAU Urology Specialist, urology specialty clinic that I started in 2007. Mm-hmm. This makes our 15th year, unless you're listening in the future, <laughs> because you can listen to this on podcast. That's true. Then, but it's our fifteenth year. It makes me mid-career. Your middle middle-aged life crisis is Mid, kicking in. Mid-career. Mid-life crisis is kicking. I can in. no longer call myself that young kind of maverick on the scene. Not now with I'm all just, that gray hair. Now I'm just, a, <laughs> I'm, I'm just part of the scenery now. You're just that guy with the gray hair. T- touches. You know, a lot of people don't know what a urologist does. A urologist is a a surgical subspecialty. Mm -hmm. That's really all we ever want to do is surgery. Right. It's really like what we get up in the morning and hope that we can do all day. Which is ironic since we're a holistic urology group. But but then because of just my own experience with urology and knowing how important diet, nutrition, supplements, stress, sleeping, everything is and what Mm. we're doing, it really kind of prompted us to build, you know, together, me and you, Donna, you know, a really great practice that takes care of the whole person. Mm -hmm. Top to bottom, head to toe. And so if you're looking for a broader approach to your urologic care, we would love to see you as a patient. We do all the aspects of urology with just a lot extra on top of it Mm -hmm. uh, to make sure that we're addressing those underlying issues that are components of your disease process and trying to maximize your health. I think people are always surprised when I tell them we have sex therapy on site and pelvic floor physical therapy and the sleep coordinator. They're always like, what? And as much as I'd like to think that I can do it all on my own, I can't. And so That's why we have a team. So today, <laughs> today we have uh, one of our, our great long-term referring doctors uh, that we work with, Dr. Courtney Scheinbein with Text Oncology. Thank you so much for joining us today, Courtney. Thank you for having me. You've been a partner of mine doing radiation oncology since the very beginning of when I started doing stuff in town. How long have you been in town? Since 2010. Yeah. So, I mean, it's been, a while. It's, been it's been 12 years for you, 15 years for me. You work for Texas Oncology, which is a, a fairly large group of doctors that make up both medical oncologists and radiation oncologists. How big is that group here in Central Texas? So it's fairly large across, across the state of Texas. I think we have greater than 400 physicians. So it's a fairly wow. large size group, a good practice. Because you're so big, it enables you guys to do large scale research projects too, right? So like things, we have patients out there that think that they can only get kind of cutting-edge stuff at MD Anderson or Memorial Sloan Kettering. That's not really true anymore, right? No, that's correct. I forget the exact numbers, but I think if you add up our total research numbers across the state as part of the U.S. Oncology McKesson Network, we actually do more study patients, I think, than MD Anderson and several other big institutions combined. Don't quote me on that exact number, but there's a fairly sizable number of people that we do studies on, and we have access to the early phase studies as well right and, here in town. And that's because unless you live in Houston, being a research patient at MD Anderson is pretty inconvenient. <laughs> and paying $28 for parking every visit isn't isn't that great either, right? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> there are wonderful place, but it sure is nice that we can offer things local, close to home. Yes, and I think that for a comfort and knowing who your doctor is and getting access to care and dealing with complications, it's really nice to have that service line being available uh, close to home. Absolutely. Why don't you tell me a little bit about radiation oncology and urology? What are the most common cancers that uh, you treat that we treat as well? Probably the number one would be prostate carcinoma. We occasionally treat renal carcinoma, but that's going to be more in the more advanced settings. 
although our medical oncologists definitely share those patients with you in the earlier stages, and uh, we do see bladder cancer as well. When it comes to prostate cancer, what kinds of things do you advise patients what kind of advanced testing do you do? Just talk me through what would be like your consultation with a brand new prostate cancer patient I sent you that needed radiation therapy. So our first step, of course, is get staging studies and get PSA evaluations, make sure that we know the full picture of where the cancer is located, has it spread, what the stage is, and then we can kind of talk about treatment options. And then we'd look at their bigger global picture of health to decide, would it be better to go the road of surgical resection or perhaps maybe radiation would play a role? That's a really good point. You know, this collaborative approach between the urologist and the radiation oncologist has been central for the last two decades for making sure patients are treated right. Because when patients are given the diagnosis of cancer, a lot of times it can be very jarring to them and their family. Absolutely. No, I think it's wonderful that we've had the relationship where we both can meet the patient, both talk about things from our point of view, and neither option may be necessarily the best choice, but we try to steer them as best as we can to what we think is going to be giving them the best outcome, both quality of life and longevity. And I think something that we are given as physicians is a little bit of credit from the patient. You know, we have a little credibility from the patient. Not all, okay? A not little, all. A not, little not, not all. Not all. <laughs> and, and, and the reason I say that is because just because a patient seeing you doesn't mean that you're always going to say you have to have radiation in every case. There have been many instances in which you've said, listen, you really need to get your prostate out. Absolutely. And go back, to, go back to mystery. And same to me. They'll be like, well, I really want to get my prostate out. I'll say, you're 87 years old on 47 medications. I really don't think that you're a great surgical candidate. You know, go back to, go back to radiation oncology. So uh, understanding that on, from the patient side, that, that really a really good cancer doctor is going to be doing what they think is in your best interest. Absolutely. One of the things I think slips by some people is if you go down the road of surgery and let's say worst case scenario, this were to recur, say 10 years, 20 years later, we can then use radiation as a salvage option and get a 50 to 60 or greater percent chance of a cure a second time. If we do radiation up front, there are some options I think that you've used in your clinic, but surgery is a very difficult option in the future. So their salvage, their second chance of cure if there's a recurrence might be a little less than a younger gentleman. I think that's a, that, that's, that's a great point. In breast cancer uh, and in lung cancer and in many other cancers, this idea that we're going to cut it out and then radiate it afterwards, like this, this two-step process, is something that's already baked into the, the cake. Um, and so people are expecting that. But when it comes to prostate, they often feel like these are separate roads that they're going to travel, a surgical road, a radiation road, when in fact these roads may meet somewhere down the line. Definitely. And so um, when, when you're advising somebody to do radiation, what are some things that you try to convince them of that radiation is not, is, is not for? Like, like it, people come with all these myths and thinking in their, in their brain. Um, well, why don't you tell me some of the uh, things that you have to tell patients that that's not exactly true? Um, probably more on the side of a younger gentleman where they think they'd like to avoid surgery because the surgery has these terrible side effects or terrible things that are going to destroy their quality of life. And I think that can be true if someone's not an experienced surgeon. But when you're working with someone like yourself who has such good outcomes, I think there's a misconception of the quality of life impact that surgery could have. And so for a younger gentleman where I worry that, you know, there's a 10% recurrence risk in 10 years and maybe 20% recurrence risk from radiation in 20 years, it starts to add up with time and I'm worried it may come back with radiation. So then I steer them your direction. That's a great point, right? Because the younger you are, the more you're afraid of getting impotent or incontinent. Absolutely. But the younger you are, the more likely you are to come out of surgery with, without these complications. 
And the younger you are, the more likely you are to suffer from late-term effects of radiation. So uh, I, I've seen this over the years, young guys in their 40s going ahead and getting seed therapy or something, and I'm like, I really don't think that you had the greatest advice, you know, and I wasn't in that person's head at the time, but I really would have liked to have gone back in time and talked to that patient again. Yeah, and sometimes that's what it takes. So someone will meet me after they've seen seen you for, for the first consult, or perhaps they've seen an outside urologist, and then I, I ask them to just meet with you and talk with you, and then perhaps that ends up as the better option for them. And I think that's fantastic that you're open to meeting them again and going through everything with such detail to make them comfortable with the right choice. What do you think the, the next kind of frontier in radiation therapy is going to be? I think the place that I find the most interesting is prostate cancer that has spread. There's a fairly new test that has come out called the PSMA PET-CT scan that lets us get a more accurate view throughout the body of where cancer has spread. And there is a study that came out over the last few years that show if we target those areas in men where there's only a few areas of spread, we can significantly extend their survival time, which is pretty impressive for what is classically thought of as an incurable disease. It's such an important thing. You know, in, in there are other cancers in which if it goes to a one or two places, you still think that it's kind of curable. Mm -hmm. But prostate cancer, we've kind of convinced ourselves that if it's out of the barn, guys got five to 10 years and that's it. But that's not so true anymore. If they have, you know, localized disease, we have these new and evolving and developing targeted things that are on the horizon. I mean, here, not mm -hmm. just on the horizon, they've, mm -hmm. they've arrived that we can use. We've talked about PSMA ligand therapy in the past. Mm -hmm. And and for our listeners, it's the radiation oncologist that's going to be doing that therapy. Yeah. So there's more and more options out there for that setting of, again, incurable, uh, classically thought to be incurable disease to give people a significantly improved quality of life and longevity, which is absolutely amazing. I think that this transition from like radiating big boxes of tissue down to now what you're becoming, which is almost like a surgeon on the molecular level, you know, using these amazingly targeted techniques is an amazing transition for you. And thank you so much for sharing this information for you. We're going to take a small break. I've got Dr. Courtney Scheinbein with Text Oncology. Donna, how do people get a hold of us? You can call us at 512-238-0762 or reach out to us through our website, armormenshealth.com, where you could submit a question that we will answer anonymously. And we'll I'm Dr. Mystery, your host, joined always with my co-host, Donna Lee. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Donna, I think all of these talks about cancer make you uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I don't like them. You don't like them? I don't like them. Even though largely you've been kind of saved from any kind of cancer diagnosis. Knocking on wood. Knocking yes. on wood. Mm -hmm. uh, we had a guest earlier that talked to us about how we need to get our colonoscopy. We're going to do it together. And we're going to holding do it. hands, and, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna live stream it. It'll be like it's really a man save, and woman save lives. It's like when they do the he and she uh, massages at yes, the spa. We're yes. gonna do that together, the colonoscopy. We are not doing that together. We'll have we'll have a curtain well between us. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> my wife will be holding my hand. Your husband okay, will be holding your hand. That's probably more appropriate. It'll be the same guy putting his scope up our butts. Though. <laughs> we're connected. Anything we're we can do. Connected. Anything we can do. So <laughs> we're gonna continue our cancer talk today. Again, board certified urologist is a men's health show. A lot of what we do in our urology practice is prostate cancer based and uh, I'm joined by one of our longest standing collaborators Dr. Courtney Scheinbein with Text Oncology. Thank you for joining us again Courtney. Thank you again for having me. When I'm giving patients information on radiation they're asking me about all this technology that's out there and I thought maybe you could kind of talk about what's what, what, are, what are the differences? I will tell you that I am very smart and I got one C in my life okay. <laughs> at the University of Houston in the summer, 1994. And what happened? I got a C in what physics, happened? physics three. 
Ugh. I'm telling you that when it comes to electromagnetics, I am just, I don't understand photon and the this going here and that going there. When I took the MCAT, and I took the MCAT in 1996, right, that's 26 years ago, I still remember there was a question about a magnet that was swinging through two magnets and then a pendulum and you had to get the circuit, like the voltage. I stared at that question for 30 minutes. Like the MCAT <laughs> was only four hours long. I looked at that and I was so mad at, at Albert Einstein and every physicist that had ever lived for making me feel so stupid. But y what you do is physics all day, all night. So maybe you could tell me what is radiation therapy for prostate cancer? What so, are we shooting at people? <laughs> so basically what we're using in uh, Central Texas is we're using x-rays targeted at the prostate gland to interact with the DNA of the cancer cell. And when you damage the DNA over time, when that prostate cancer cell tries to grow and divide, it receives lethal damage or, or fatal damage to that cancer cell. So it, when it tries to grow and divide, it doesn't repair any of that damage, and then the cell dies. Now, where's that radiation coming from? Is, do you have like uranium-238 in like a like a special biohazard bag that you're just like opening up a small hole and it goes at the prostate? So if you actually go back in time, uh, we actually did used to use machines like that. Like a cobalt machine was a very common thing, which was a radioactive material that just emitted x-rays. You just open up a small hole in the lead shield. Open the door. <laughs> yeah, open the door. And then some folks actually still use gamma knife machines, which that's what that is. So nowadays, most, uh, most machines are electronically generated x-rays. You'll go into a room with what we call a linear accelerator, and the machine uses electronics and including a microwave generator to generate high energy electrons and those electrons come close to a tungsten target as those electrons slow down near the tungsten that energy from that slowing reaction is emitted as an x-ray in, in, in my brain not my, i'm smart but in the brains of don't some, undersell yourself no, anyway. you're very smart <laughs> it, like it's not like superman has x-rays coming out of his eyes at your prostate gland right because that would burn a hole all the way through you that you didn't want nowadays we have the x-rays coming from multiple different angles and you have to model the prostate so that the x-rays go right to it i mean what what is that called? One of the classic names for that is IMRT, which is Intensity Modulated Radiation Therapy. And the concept is exactly what you just said. Despite your claim of the C in physics, you're exactly correct. So what happens is- I got is robbed. You got oh robbed. Boy. <laughs> I question that person. So what happens is inside the machine, we have uh, little doors made of lead, kind of like a grate that opens and closes. And they'll modulate the beam, letting small amounts of radiation come out from different angles as the machine moves around you. But when you look at it in summation, the radiation is constantly concentrating on the prostate and avoiding everywhere else. And so what we can do is get a good dose that we want at the target area, but everywhere surrounding it, including the bladder and the rectum and the femoral heads, et cetera, are at a low, low amount of radiation, and they can repair any damage that happens. And you're wow. not guessing where the prostate is, right? I mean, we have markers in the prostate. You've done CAT scans of the prostate. <laughs> you're not just saying, well, it's over there. It looks like it looks like it's going to be right about there. Let's just let's just draw a big box. So that's actually exactly what we did when I was in training. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> what we did. Is we would do a CAT scan. Yeah. You saw where the prostate was, and then based on skin markers. You assumed it stayed there, and you saw, at that time, probably like a 5% or so risk of causing significant rectal damage. Because, because you have to make a big box. Yeah, big box. Nowadays, it's exactly what you're thinking. We take, Our machine has a CAT scanner built into it, and it does a CAT scan before every treatment. We can see where the prostate is. We can lock on target. And I'd say about 1% or less of people have any significant damage to the bladder or rectum long term. So this isn't your dad's radiation machine? Very different. That, that's really something that I try to really impress upon patients who I think really are radiation candidates but are kind of reticent to do it because of somebody that died because their 
dad got cancer and they died from it and, and the radiation was terrible. Uh, but I have a lot of people that come to me and you guys have a proton machine. Yes. Now I always poo-poo the proton machine. And the reason is, is because I think MD Anderson has a big proton machine. They put a lot of money into advertisement and it's got green neon. And I'm always like, that's so fancy. <laughs> and and it's it a really, proton machine. It really seems to convince a lot of patients that it's different. But like I've always told them that there's no difference. You g- give me the real answer. What is a what is proton therapy? How is that different? There are certain parts of the body when you're treating with the proton machine. It's a little more targeted. I kind of liken it more to a laser pointer, whereas ours is like a flashlight where it's a little less focused. So the proton machine is a little more focused. When it comes to prostate radiation, there's actually not a big difference. And I think you're actually correct. When you look at the studies, the outcomes are not that different. And the reason is, is that the scatter of radiation into the bladder and rectum between an x-ray machine and a proton machine is not that different. It does spare other structures a little better, but that doesn't necessarily give you a clinical improvement or a decrease in side effect. Now, there's other things that we treat, children, uh, tumors near the optic nerves, things near the spinal cord, where that little bit of extra precision is mandatory and is a huge difference. Right, because the prostate's like as big as a golf ball or a peach or a, people say a pecan, but it's really much bigger than a pecan. I mean, it's a, it's usually the size of a golf ball or, or slightly bigger. So, so really needing something that is as finely tuned as a laser like you would use on a kid's eye is probably not necessary uh, in the prostate. Yeah, so it's probably, you know, some minimal amount better as far as like decreased side effects, but I don't know that it's measurable. And there may be a study, but I'm not aware of any studies saying that this is a massive improvement. Now, if we had one in Austin, I think I would definitely steer you that way. But sending you to Dallas to our machine up there, I don't think that's necessary for for the standard diagnosis of prostate cancer. Now, there's also um, types of therapy like CyberKnife that you know you'll see like ads out on mm-hmm. the uh, on the freeway. W- what is that, and and how is that different from what you're doing? So it's a different brand of machine. And uh, the, the concept is actually the same. Our machine does CyberKnife type treatments, but it's a different brand. We use a Varian machine with something called Brain Lab attached to it. So that's a little bit of uh, just the name of the manufacturer. A little bit of marketing. A little bit of marketing. Um, that also can imply when you get a treatment on that machine that you're condensing the treatments down to a total of five sessions. Um, there's kind of a, a lingo we use called SBRT or stereotactic body radiation. And typically that's done in one to five treatments. And we do offer treatments similar to that for certain disease sites. Uh, and if you're, if you're getting something which is fewer treatments, what are you giving up? Because you don't get something for nothing. <laughs> there, there's, yeah, there's rarely something for nothing. So it, it depends on the studies you look at. Some of the earlier studies, if you're looking at targeting prostate as the, as the primary target, showed some increased toxicity. But I think that's getting refined, and I think the studies are showing that is becoming more and more of an accepted treatment. We do SBRT all the time for lesions in the bone, the lung, the brain. So it can be done very safely and, and good convenience and good side effect profile. And uh, when you're advising patients on just common side effects that they could look out for when they're going through radiation therapy, what are the top three that you tell them? So when it comes to the prostate area, I usually think about bladder irritability, um, similar to a urinary tract infection, some rectal irritation, which could mean gas, loose stool, or diarrhea, and then fatigue. But the fatigue is usually on the mild side. People tend to do very well through treatment. And, uh, you know, in our, in our practice, we really try to initiate and encourage people to be very well hydrated have excellent nutrition, and things that will maintain their muscle mass and energy. Would you kind of agree to that? Yeah, I think that's one of the things that we don't talk about enough, and I'm glad that you do bring that up, but not a lot of folks actually do. But I think good nutrition, making sure we have a balanced diet, I try to recommend, even though I don't have good science behind it, but avoiding 
processed foods, sugars, um, like white flours, trying to use more like whole grains. I think these things do make a difference in how someone does. And I think for the loose stools, getting somebody on Metamucil is really going to be very key to like making sure that their bowel health works out well. Mm -hmm. Agree. Well, Courtney, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. Uh, you're always just such an amazing physician, a great partner, and someone we really look forward to uh, working with. So uh, how do they get a hold of you? So our office number is 512-687-2300. If you give us a call, we could definitely uh, take care of you. Well, thank you so much for joining us again today. You're like, you know, one of our repeat, regular customers. Repeat guests. Uh, and Donna, how do <laughs> people get so a hold much. of us? Well, you can reach out to us at 512-238-0762 during the week. You can also ask for me. Or you can send us a website inquiry at armormenshealth.com. You can also send one to Dr. Scheinbein that we'll get an answer from him for the listener. And we'll do that anonymously. Check out our podcasts wherever you listen to free podcasts. The Armor Men's Health Show is brought to you by NAU Urology Specialists. For questions or to schedule an appointment, please call 512-238-0762 or online at armormenshealth.com. 